Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Daily Thread. Another day, another week. Yes, good to be back with you. Yes. Uh, we got a whole plethora of stories to Ooh. tackle on this. Yeah, you like that word, plethora, plethora, plethora. Either way, plethora. I think the pronunciation is, is good. Uh, before we jump into uh, things that have been happening over the weekend, number one, we should say that uh, let's start with the weather report because you're in New York and uh, I'm, still, I'm yeah. still in Florida for a few days. Um, it was freezing. I never experienced in 40 years, maybe more, I never experienced so much, such cold weather like down here. This past Shabbos, really, thirty-nine degrees. I mean, you never, ex you never experienced that cold weather in Florida. You have experienced colder in New York. It's not of Florida. course, you know. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that I have a thermostat that never moved off cool. It says heat. It <laughs> says heat on the thermostat. And I thought to myself, what does anybody need heat on their thermostat in Florida for? But yeah, you never I know. know. I started playing around with it when I saw the weather forecast. I started playing around with it on Thursday last week. And the first thing it did, it's probably the first time it was turned on in five years. So I, I put the heat on first. It's not yeah. like someone was barbecuing. It's not like they were barbecuing the entire yeah. house. Uh, so, but after after that aroma of um, something burning kind of dissipated, after the barbecue odor dissipated, it stopped making that. It stopped generating that uh, that 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 aroma, that odor, and just uh, it warmed the place up and and and. And I can tell you now, we have good heat in this house, uh, aside, yeah, aside from good air conditioning. And that's important. Amazing. And I don't have a jacket. I, I didn't well, come down here with a warm jacket or anything. You know, I had to improvise. I, I could have bought a winter coat. So so t today is Martin Luther King birthday. Um, I, is there free parking today here? I don't know. This should I, be. I didn't pay the no, meter. It's a, it's, a, it's a federal holiday. It's many years. It took a lot of time, I think, for it to gain national traction because you know it's complicated when the government legislates to add new holidays you know we're just yeah. not used to it we, we know we have we have labor day and memorial day and christmas and new year's and you know what we just uh, just we just seem to be accumulating a lot of holidays you know uh uh and nobody's nobody's complaining gives people a reason to be off um yeah. listen uh, martin luther king was a great leader and uh, could use a man like that today, especially in these difficult uh, times where racial tension is, for some reason, uh, as high as it ever was. It really shouldn't be. And right. he just wanted people to, to get along. And, you know, he had in his great speech of I Had a Dream. He said that he dreams of a day when his children will be not be judged, will be, will be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. And, and so that that was a visionary. That was a man that was a visionary. He had he had the right idea, and he's idolized uh, by a great deal of America, especially by African Americans. But I think the message that he tried to communicate needs to be uh, uh, internalized. Uh, I think more effectively. That's just uh, just my opinion. Absolutely. And that it goes it goes across it goes across the, the it goes across the board. Uh, not just with race, with everything. People should be judged by the content of their character, nothing else. Yes, you know? the, not 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 their abilities or disabilities or anything. That would else. be a great uh, that would be a great accomplishment if society could uh, could agree on that. And um, listen, we had a crazy weekend of news with the discovery of uh, 
classified documents in Joe Biden's garage uh, in Delaware. Is that a big deal? I feel like every president has that ultimately. Well, no? all of all, it was a big deal up until after Donald Trump. All of a sudden, we got to Joe Biden and hold your horses. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. These are national security secrets, okay? Uh, that if they're shared by our enemies or with our enemies, is a is a serious crime, and it could jeopardize the uh, security of the country. Uh, what's not a big deal about that? I mean, it's from what ten years ago. I don't know. That makes it worse. You know, it's been laying around his garage, which he says is secure. But there's videos of him backing his car into his garage, and the garage door is wide open, and everyone can see the so everyone can see a pile of junk. And his so what's going to happen? It's like so. What like what are we hoping is going to happen? It it's uh, it's very complicated, Nafi. It's a very complicated issue. has has extreme political overtones to it. It has uh, serious violations of the law. Uh, people are sitting in jail for mishandling uh, top secret documentation. People that you don't know, you know, people that used to work for government and happen, happen to take uh, some stuff home with them. It, maybe even unintentionally, maybe even inadvertently, but they get they they, they get fined, uh, they lose their jobs, and in some cases they uh, they go to prison. Uh, it's a serious thing. No, I totally hear you. Well, yeah, that's a story that's probably going to get swallowed up. It's probably going to get uh, suppressed because the media doesn't like going after Joe. Uh, a story, though, that I see on on Yeshiva World is, which I wasn't aware of, is uh, Hamas published a video of an Israeli captive. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, as a message to the ID uh, to the new IDF chief chief of staff, um, his name is Avera Mengistu who was captured by Hamas in 2014. Mm-hmm. So Hamas, Hamas, Hamas still has him in prison. He crossed mm-hmm. into the Gaza Strip, and they still have him in prison. Right. Um, the video published only hours after the handover ceremony for Israel's new IDF chief, chief of staff mm-hmm. uh, began, opens with words, uh, the Iz Ad-Din Al-Qassam brigades emphasize the failure of the outgoing chief of staff, Kohavi, and his lies to his nation and government in his in, in his imaginary and delusional achievements. The incoming chief of staff, Halevi, needs to prepare himself to be a responsibility for this failure and its consequences. Um, in the video, the prisoner, uh, Avera, uh, says, I am Avera Magistu, I'm the prisoner. Until when will I be here? My friends and I are in captivity for long and painful years. Where is the state of Amistral regarding our fate? Now, again, I did not know about this. I did not know that that Hamas is holding on to, it sounds like, more than one IDF soldier uh, uh, captive uh, for the last uh, 10 years. I, I don't think he's a soldier. I, I don't think he's a soldier. And if I remember correctly, I think he voluntarily crossed into Gaza. He wasn't kidnapped. He was, I think, according to the reports that I read a while ago, he's had some kind of a mental uh, uh, imbalance, uh, mental um, imbalance type of uh, uh, emotional problems uh, in his history. Okay. And he crossed over, unfortunately, and he was captured, and he's an Israeli citizen. And uh, I believe he's originally from Ethiopia. And, uh, you know, Hamas uh, plays with these games like they play, you know, some people play with a yo-yo. They play with uh, with people's lives. Uh, you know, holding the bodies of two, two I mean, Israeli that... soldiers also from 2014. Really? Really? Yes. 
And like we mentioned last week or the week before, I mean, the families are campaigning uh, tirelessly. They want to give their children who were killed in the Gaza War of 2014, they want to give them Jewish funeral in, in Israel. They don't want them sitting wherever uh, uh, wherever uh, Hamas has them stored uh, somewhere uh, in Gaza. But um, right. anyway, um, additionally, okay. um, interestingly enough, there's a lot going on in Israel too. For instance, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu said yesterday that uh, if Israel is abandoned by the U.S. and the Europeans in terms of uh, keeping control over Iran, Israel will not hesitate to bomb the nuclear facilities in Iran. Okay? Can I, can I ask a silly question? Sure. Why don't they bomb it already? Well, listen, nothing happens in a vacuum. There's repercussions uh, for things that happen. It has to be carefully uh, calculated what the repercussions are going to be. You know, people say, uh, you know, especially when they're firing missiles from uh, Gaza into Israel, people say, oh, why doesn't the Israeli Israel just send troops into Gaza and take over Gaza? That's great on day one, and they take over Gaza. What happens the next day? On the next day, all of a sudden, you're responsible for the lives of two million people. You got to make sure they're eating. You got to make sure they have a place to live. You got to make sure they have education. Who wants to undertake that kind of burden? Yeah, but let me ask you a question. I mean, in 2000 and what, 2007, 2005, when Israel expelled tens of thousands of Jews out of Gush Katif, they had to go ahead and be responsible for them and all of that. You know, like, and that was a, uh, like, what's, what, why? Well, listen, you know, it's a different dynamic. Uh, and the, the world didn't pressure Israel to care for their own people. Uh, as a matter of fact, they encouraged them to... Um, uh, um, evacuate uh, Gush Katif and hand it over to uh, to the uh, to the um, to Hamas uh, to the uh, Palestinians. That was, that, that was a really that was a really big mistake in hindsight. Yes, it was a big mistake. I mean, not even. I mean, I, I think it was a huge mistake to leave Gush Katif, and now we have to deal with what? How many how many Arabs are there in Gaza right now? I don't know, a million and a half, two million maybe. Yeah, it's too late to do anything about that, to be honest. Of course you can't do anything about that. I mean... Uh, where where where'd they all come from? Where did all these Arabs come from? Uh, listen, this goes back to... Uh, this goes back 75 years or 100 years. They are uh, an, an indigenous, popula- indigenous, popula- indigenous population in uh, in that area, in the Middle East. There's 100 million Arabs in the Middle East, uh, Nafi. I know, but but my question to you is... In 2005, where were these Arabs? They were in other parts of the Middle East, and now they all des- they all descended upon Gaza. Well, they they you know this, a lot of, a lot of things moved around. Uh, for example, uh, there was no Jordan uh, before uh, 1948. Uh, Jordan was just a, a, a tribal type of uh, um, territory uh, in the Middle East, and the United Nations uh, created uh, Jordan. A lot of countries uh, in the Middle East that are Arab countries today are made up of, uh, of tribes that go back hundreds, of, maybe even thousands of years. Uh, things are very tribal. Right. You know, a bad example is uh, you know we're reading about in the Torah about the Shvatim. They were very different. Reuven was different than Shimon. Shimon was different than Levi. Yisachar was different than Zulin, and so on and so forth. They had different lifestyles, different priorities. And uh, I don't want to make a comparison between that, but. It's a, it's a big it's a much big it's a big mess uh, uh, the Arab world right. but it, it's very tribal and 
Our, yeah, our next story is from via JNS, and the headline reads, a German court wants to COVID vaccinate a Holocaust survivor against her will. Uh, her name is Ina Zivana, uh, I'm going to botch this last name, Ina Zivanateskaya. Zivanetskaya. She's 85 years old, um, and it was first reported by Report 24 from Australia that she will be sent against her will to the doctor. Who will double? Who will double vaccinate her uh, against her will? Uh, uh, people are are not so happy about this. The facts seem unbelievable because Germany has really learned nothing at all from history. An exclusive video shows she's neither of unsound mind or nor endangering herself or others. She's just afraid for her life. Uh, she's turning eighty six, and um, she was born in Ukraine in nineteen thirty seven. So they're gonna force her to be vaccinated. That's what it seems like. Yeah. That's what they're trying uh, that's to do. In Germany, you said. Yeah. And everybody in Germany is 100, uh, you know, vaccinations in the uh, in the population. I don't know. I don't know. I saw a story yesterday. Strange story. I saw a story yesterday that says that uh, a doctor who is very uh, active and very wildly quoted uh, about the COVID um, outbreak, the pandemic said that the new variant, IB15.5, I don't know what it's called, uh, that if yeah. you were vaccinated, it's more likely you're going to get the new variant than if you're not vaccinated. So what, what, uh... what, we need, what, we need, what we need to happen to get things clarified in this country and in the world is for the, the House of Representatives and the various committees to begin uh, oversight uh, investigations, you know, have to get right. uh, Anthony Fauci in front of a panel and uh, swear him in. So uh, he hopefully will tell the truth to the best ability that he can tell the truth. And we have to find out what the real background is and what happened here. Right. And um, our next, yeah, yeah. a great deal of it is about, we're going to find out at the end of the day to jump ahead. A great deal of it was the fact that billions of dollars were made vaccinating people. And that's what we're going to find out, I think. I guess we'll see. Our next story, which is almost ended in tragedy. I do want to mention that in Nepal, there was a plane that crashed right. that claimed the lives of 72 people, I believe. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's a frightening video of one of the passengers on the plane was live on Facebook when the plane went up in flames in the middle of the air and then it ended up crashing to the ground. And uh, an awful, awful scene. Um, but it, at JFK on on Shabbos on eight forty five p actually eight forty five p.m. on Friday, mm -hmm. there was a there was a Delta a Delta Airlines flight that was heading down the runway to take off, and there was an American Airlines flight that was crossing it was taxiing across over the same runway, mm -hmm. and. You can hear the recording of the air traffic control seeing this unfold and then very, very urgently telling the Delta plane to abort takeoff, to abort their takeoff. And the Delta plane, which was going 150 miles per hour at the time of that call, ended up ended up stopping short just a thousand feet in the American Airlines aircraft. So that that Delta plane nineteen forty-three returned to the gate. They got all the passengers off of the plane, and they rescheduled the flight uh, for the next day, and they gave free hotel stays. I'm not sure why they needed to do that. I'm guessing because there was an investigation that took place. I did hear on the recording that they, they reached out to the pilot of American Airlines 
and they said we have a we have a pilot deviation you need to call this number mm-hmm. i'm guessing they're going to be in trouble because they were supposed to cross runway four and they crossed runway 31 instead mm-hmm. uh, which almost caused which almost caused a tragedy that would have claimed the lives of hundreds of people. Well, when um, you were very young, you had an obsession with uh, control towers and planes taking off. Do you remember? <laughs> it used to, uh, you know, the the uh, your computer to, a flight simulator, a flight simulator to uh, simulate uh, takeoffs and landings, right? Yeah, I'll tell you something funny. I was I ate by one of my wife's relatives, and in their backyard, you you have a view of JFK. Yeah. And you see planes just taking off and landing. It's the coolest right. thing. But this, like, but like, no, this is a scary story. You know, you don't. This doesn't happen often. Usually, so, something that I did see by the by when I was looking at the airport, at the runways, is that like the precision in which things are done. You have planes taking off and landing from the same runways every three minutes, right. Right. and it's sho- it's shocking that something like this doesn't happen more often. But you know, they're able to uh, you know avert a, tra- a tragedy here. It would have been really tragic. And uh, I'm guessing there are going to be some people who are going to have to pay a price for a close call like this. Well, you know, air traffic controllers are uh, very, very carefully trained. Uh, I know a guy that uh, works for me now, actually, who uh, trained as an air traffic controller. Uh, he uh, is in charge of our uh, weekly circulation of the newspaper. And uh, he went down to Louisiana he, for three months uh, to train. At a, really? to train. They trained him at a not such a busy airport. You know, uh, and he really applied. He wanted to come. He wanted to. He lives in New York. He lives on Long Island, actually. And he wanted to uh, come back and work either at LaGuardia or JFK or Newark. But um, they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't bring him up here because they wanted him. There's a lot of quiet airports. You know, we when we fly down, we yeah. fly down here. We fly into Palm Beach Airport. You know, PBI. Very quiet. Uh, it's 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 no comparison to Miami or Fort Lauderdale or. Well, Kennedy, it's like it's like flying into your own little private airport most of the time. Yeah. Another another story which sort of touches the sports uh, activity for yesterday is obviously if you're a New Yorker and you're a Giant fan, it's an exciting time because yes. the New York Giants are advancing are advancing to the divisional round uh, after beating the Minnesota Vikings in a close game. Um, but I want to pinpoint a story that happened over the weekend in sports on Matze Shabbos. There, so there's a game between the, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers went up 27 nothing, mm-hmm. And I, I believe that was a score, maybe 27-3 by halftime. Yeah. And, and uh, one sports better, one sports better put in a bet mm-hmm. – of $1.4 million that the Jaguars were going to win the oh, game. Yeah. Now, the odds are not good. The The bet would have won him $11,000. So he would have gotten you 11, know, 000, his principal 000? back. He was he would bet $1.4 million to win. Obviously, he'll get his one point four, but he'll net $11,000 profit. He figured, you know what, this is going to hit. They're up 27 nothing. It's the easiest $11,000 I'll make. But what happened... What happened is, is that the Jacksonville Jaguars came back and they won the game 31-30. And this better lost $1.4 million to just win $11,000. And probably one of the most, first of all, the big, one of the biggest sports comebacks in the NFL playoffs, but probably one of the worst sports betting losses you'll hear about. That is, I don't know what that person's feeling like now. That's well, rough. There's also a guy that won the lottery this weekend, $1.3 billion. 
I don't know. In Maine, um, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And yeah. it's always it's always Maine. It's always Maine. It's always Maine. It's always Why? there. Some always. somebody that's stuck across the border from Canada, not even an American citizen, just walked across the border. Whoa! I'm just asking. Is that what I happened? No, I don't know. No. I'm just asking. You know. Uh, why does it always happen to Maine? I don't think Why so. Why does it happen to Maine? I don't know. It's 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 always like these random bodegas that, that sell the winning ticket. It's just that's what <laughs> happens. Know, bodegas make a lot of money too when they win. You know, I think they get like a one percent bonus. Do they? I think so. No yeah. way. Seriously? Yeah, maybe. Uh, they get a small percentage of the winnings when there's a big win. Did not know that. Okay. Let, Did let, not know that. What else? Let you me got? say one more thing here. Let me say two more short things. Number one is again from Israel. This Netanyahu predicts a massive rise in immigration. From the U.S. Okay, how do you like that? He says Israel will experience making Aliyah? Israel will experience a massive increase in immigration from Western countries, the United States included, according to Prime Minister Netanyahu. He announced that yesterday at the weekly cabinet meeting in Jerusalem. According to a report in Israel Hayom, uh, during the course of Sunday's weekly cabinet meeting, the Prime Minister predicted that Israel's economic growth will surpass that of the United States. Coupled with Israel's entry into the U.S. visa waiver program, the Jewish state strengthening economy will attract significant more American Jewish immigrants. So he's expecting a large wave of Aliyah in the next uh, next couple of years. So um, you know, there's been there's been record numbers of Aliyah, basically also uh, motivated uh, uh, by COVID. You know, people people have had it. Um, you know, if if you're born Jewish, you could become an Israeli citizen uh, without moving to Israel. You can go to the to your local Israeli consulate. If you live in New York, you can go to Manhattan to Second Avenue, where the consulate is. And by virtue of the fact that you were born Jewish, and you could prove that your that your mother is Jewish, you are entitled to Israeli citizenship, and you become an Israeli citizen. And I know people. I met somebody this weekend that actually did that. You know why they did that? Because they have a kid that lives in Israel, number one, and they don't want to get stuck again if uh, there's a pandemic. Like uh, they were denying people, Americans especially, they were denying people the right to go to Israel to visit family. People couldn't go to weddings. People couldn't go to bar mitzvahs. People couldn't go to funerals. Couldn't people couldn't go to prison because they weren't Israeli citizens. But so why don't we become Israeli citizens? Well, I'm 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 gonna uh, when I get back. I'm, it's not the, not the first thing I'm gonna do. But it's on the list of the top hundred things that I think I'm gonna do. What? Why? Like, what's the? What's? Is there a downside? Is there something I'm missing? No, no. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you're very young, you have a military obligation. That's possible. But I'm not talking. I'm not okay. talking about eighteen year old people do it. I think eighteen year old and twenty year old and thirty year old people that make aliyah through nefesh pranefesh or through some uh, other way. Um, uh, they do want to serve in the military. That's why they, that's part of their, but if you're over over 50, for example, and you want to become an Israeli citizen, because you don't want to be uh, locked out next time there's a pandemic, hopefully there won't be uh, a situation like that again, or if there is, we'll learn how to deal with it differently. But uh, as a Jew, you have certain rights uh, to uh, Eretz Israel. And that shouldn't be. Yeah, well, let me ask you. I mean, I'm, but if if like I'm in my twenties and I'm and I and I get that citizenship, then I can't go to Israel without without having to to be, I guess, in the military well, in some capacity. That, that has to be investigated. Maybe we'll get you a meaningful minute exemption from the uh, military. <laughs> because you explain, maybe, you explain maybe. to them you're already serving. You're already serving 
uh, the nation of Israel. So you maybe. I mean, Tzivas Hashem. Tzivas Hashem. Maybe should be exempt. So just one more thing. One more thing. Let me bring up the interesting thing that I saw this morning uh, in this week's uh, Pasha, which we're going to read next Shabbos. Pasha's for Eira, where it talks about Shidduchim. You're not. Not Shadokim in the conventional sense, not Shadokim like uh, when Yitzchak uh, met Rivka and Eliezer, you know, what the Shatrin and so on and so forth, but parenthetically, in the drama of Moshe Rabbeinu being introduced uh, to Klai Yisrael and being told that he's going to bring Bnei Yisrael out of uh, Egypt, out of Mitzrayim, it says, Aaron, it says, it says who, who married who? It says that Aaron married Elisheva. Bas Aminadov. And she was the sister of Nachshin ben Aminadov. Everybody knows who Nachshin ben Aminadov is. He's the guy that was the first one into the Yamsuf. And he went up to his neck until the sea split, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was Nachshin ben Aminadov. So um, um, Aaron married Elisheva, Bas uh, Aminadov, um, the sister of, like I said, Nachshin. And um, Aaron had Aaron had four sons, right? He had Nadav, Avihu, Eliezer, and Isamar. Four sons, okay. So, what, telling us who married who, are we have to know what the names of their sons are? So Rashi says that from here we learn that when one is looking for a shidduch, one is thinking about taking a wife, he has to investigate her brothers. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Just wanted to make that observation. <laughs> So, so you're saying that's okay. That references you have to you have to look into the family. That's that's our Raya. The brothers, the brothers. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says you have you want someone's reading a shidduch. You have to know who's the girl's brothers. That's all. Rashi says it. Yeah. Rashi says it. I don't know. Uh, you want to look into the uncles and the aunts and the business and where they live and how long they lived there and how many bathrooms they have in the house. That's not required according to the Torah. But according to Rashi, you okay. should look into to the brothers. So um, I rest my case. Okay. Yeah, one last thing I want to say. I, I read an article in Mishpacha over Shabbos. It's something that <laughs> jumped out at me. I was reading about um, Argentina in the in the 50s, how many Nazis they sort of harbored because they, they had just discovered a, sum, a submarine uh, off the coast of Argentina that they believe was a way that they were – getting Nazis from Germany to Argentina. Um, and I just, it, it kind of doesn't sit well with me or sit easy with me, the fact that you had Eichmann and Mengele, Yamach Shema, that they were able to escape Germany. They were able to escape and go be, be you know, harbored in uh, in Argentina. And there's one, there's one person who was quoted in this article, I guess it's a conspiracy theory, uh, that he said that the Hitler killing himself in the Berlin bunker is is didn't happen he said that hitler also had escaped to uh hitler also had escaped to germany to, to argentina and he was killed in 72 um that obviously is is disproven or it's not i don't you know the, the main story about hitler that we know is that he killed himself in berlin um but the fact that i mean like eichmann mangala the worst people one of the couple of the worst people in the world to ever live able to escape and assume new identities and live new lives in Argentina 
they do say there may have been some United States cooperation uh, yeah. or, or or knowing about them because, you know, I think at that time there was the, the war with the Soviets and the, the U.S. wanted to use the Nazi scientists and the Nazi brains that they had to right. to, to, to fight against the Russians. So it's, it's a little bit like, problematic, no? Well, like it's, well, it rubs me the wrong well, way. First of all, Ackman was captured by Israel. And brought on trial to Israel. Yeah, the Mossad. And he was and the Mossad and eventually was uh, was hung uh, in Israel. I once met the man who uh, captured him in Argentina. Really? He, uh, his name was Issa Harel. Okay. And he'll tell you just a, a story, then we'll uh, let you go. But uh, I met him uh, decades ago. And, of course, he was heading up a group that was traveling to Argentina. Movies have been made about it. And Issa Harel was, of course, with the Mossad, but he was traveling on a, on a false identity like everybody else, right? So let's say, let's say he had the name, um, let's say he was traveling on the name, just as an example. Let's say he had the name uh, Israel uh, Schwartz, okay? So he was, that's what his passport was, that's what his papers were. He was on the plane flying from wherever he was flying from to Argentina. I'm sure it wasn't from Israel to Argentina. I'm sure it was from a different country. And they announced on the plane, will um, Aaron Schwartz please come up to see the flight attendant? Okay. And he thought to himself, why do they want to see me? You know, is my identity blown? Am I not on the cover anymore? He froze in his seat. He didn't react. Turns out there was another Aaron Schwartz on the plane. And they were calling him mm -hmm. up there. So his cover wasn't blown, and he was able to continue on to Argentina and finish his mission and bring uh, Eichmann to uh, to justice. It's crazy that I didn't know Argentina is such a anti-Semitic country or such a disgusting country that they're taking such awful people and hide and hide them. No, no, no like... I, I, they're hiding the you know the the the, the ancestors of these families are all over the world. I think. Uh, not you think just so? Argentina. Uh, I think they're all over. I think they're all over. I think uh, some of them are even upstate New York in the Catskills, as I mentioned to you once. You know, in, really? in Hurleyville, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll discuss that further a different time. But that's our episode for today, yes, Monday, so. January sixteenth. Uh, wishing you all a beautiful day, and we'll speak to you all tomorrow. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Come to.